We're beginning a brand new series today, and the series is called The Blessed Life. The Blessed Life. And we'll be in this series for the next five weeks. We'll talk about what the blessed life is and how do we live it. But the overarching theme of this series is generosity. And yes, we'll talk about giving. giving. We're going to dig into tithing, but we're going to be here for five weeks. And this week, what I want to begin on is this subject is it's all about the heart. Everybody say it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. When you think of the term, uh, the blessed life, what comes to your mind? What would be your, your definition of the blessed life or a blessed life? Like, how would you begin to differentiate between somebody who's living a blessed life and someone who's not? Or whether you are living a blessed life or somebody else isn't? Like, what would be your, your identifiers or your, um, your, de- your objective pieces of criteria to look at and say, yes, for sure, I am living the blessed life. They are not, or they are, and I am not, or however many group of people are. Like, what, what, what pictures come in your mind? What, what images or scene begins to be painted when you think of the blessed life? I don't know about you if someone answers, that's fine. You can answer. I, I, here, I appreciate uh, some interactivity. I just give you permission to interact. You can clap. You can shout. You can say hallelujah. You can say amen. If you just want to participate, it makes this whole thing a lot more fun. So you have permission. All right? Everybody say okay. okay. Ooh, doesn't that just feel better? Sometimes it's just tense. You know what I mean? You come to churches, whew, take a deep breath. I know it's a little early, but whew, everybody say okay again. Okay. All right. It's so much better. All right. Great. So the blessed life. The blessed life. I don't know about you, but, but if I'm defining the blessed life, if I, if I have to give a definition, and I guess I do today because I'm the one speaking, but if I have to give a definition to somebody, if I'm going to begin to describe what those, those identifiers are or those objective pieces of criteria, I'm going to begin to look at what I have. I'm going to look outside of me and say, well, well, the blessed life is, is, is it's, it starts with the job that I have and, and the amount of resources at my disposal and my family and my house and my, and my stuff and my ability to do great things for my family, take them on vacations and, and all of these things. I begin to look at what I have to determine whether or not I'm living the blessed life. I don't know about you, but that's how I would define a blessed life on the basis of what I have or have had or have the opportunity to have. The resources at my disposal, the amount of resources at my disposal, what can I do with them? What have I done with them? And it's, I'm blessed because of what I have. I don't know about you, that's, that's how I think of it. That's how I would, I would uh, define it and talk to someone about it if they were to put me on the spot. That's where my mind would go. And then I would, I would look at my thought process and I would think, well, of course I think that way because I live in a culture in which it's all about that, right? It's all about getting. It's all about having. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you ever just stopped and tried to count the amount of adverts that come at you every day trying to... Uh, motivate you and impress upon you what you should get and how you should buy and what you need. We got all these people and these companies telling us what we need. We need stuff we didn't even know we needed, right? We just, we just need it. And they want to, uh, to, to influence us to, to purchase it and get it. And if you get this, then you'll be happy. And if you don't have this, you won't be happy. And then you get that thing. And then six months later, they come out with a better version of that thing, right? And then you need to get that thing and they just hook you. They just hook you. It's like the iPhone or your phone, right? Every six months, a new phone's coming out. And you're like, I got to get that because it's better than what I had. And then you get it, and there's like one thing different. And you spend another 200 bucks to get it. 
That's what we live in a culture that just motive, that pushes that on us. That we it's about having, it's about getting, it's about consuming, and a majority of our life is is that we work to do the things we want to do, and we work to get the things we want to get, and that people who depend on us want, and 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 that's how we look and see if we're blessed. And I don't think that if, if that's your definition, then there's something inherently wrong with you. I think it's just a product of, of how we live and the culture in which we live. But I just want to, from the onset of this series, submit a thought to you that really is going to serve as the foundation for everything we talk about. And it's this. That the blessed life is not about having, but it's about giving. That the blessed life is not about what you have, but what you give. And it even goes deeper than that. It's even deeper than having versus giving, because let's just be honest, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with having, is there? There's nothing wrong with having uh, the latest piece of technology or a nice home or taking, nothing, nothing wrong with that stuff at all. Stuff is neither good nor bad, it just is, okay? It goes deeper than than having and giving, and really it comes down to what I believe and how I feel about having, and really what I believe and I feel about giving. How does it make me feel? What do I what do I believe about the idea of giving or the idea of having? That's the real question. And that's the thing I want to just submit to you today that the blessed life cannot be defined by what is external. And does not find its beginning or, or birth in us and what we have, but it finds its definition inside our hearts and our attitude and belief towards what we give. It's all about the heart, right? You can't define whether your life is blessed simply on the basis of the external or material possessions and things that you have. It's tempting, I know. But the blessed life, It's not about what I have, it's about what I give, and really about what I believe about having and giving, is the real question. And maybe about now you're thinking, well, I don't really know if I like this sermon series, and can we just go back to asking questions, because that was a whole lot better. I just want to show you where, where this, even this idea come from, right? Because I, I know that this idea that, that having, that having is, is to me, having is better than giving. I don't know about you. Where does this idea come from that, that the blessed life is, is, is what is all about giving versus having and what I believe about giving versus what I believe about having? I just want to show you in, in the book of Acts, the guy who wrote the book of Acts is, is a guy named Luke, and he's writing a history of the church, right? It's a history of the, of the first Christians who were ever on the face of the earth after Jesus went to heaven. You have these group of people like you and like me. They believe in Jesus, and they're formulating a church, and they're just learning how to do all of this. And you have this guy, Paul, who at one point hated Christians, hated them, was tracking them down and killing them. And then has an encounter with Jesus and then goes off and begins to start churches and lead people to, to Jesus and just doing amazing things. And he's having a discussion. And when we get to chapter 20 with a church that he helped start and people that he's never going to see again. And he's talking to them about this very concept of generosity, this very concept of giving. And it's, a, it's an emotional time. They're never going to see Paul again. They've grown to love him. He's grown to love them. But he's, he's giving them advice on how you really be a Christ follower. And part of that is, is generosity. Here's what he says, chapter 20, verse 35. And Paul says this, hey, I've been a constant example 
of how you can help those in need by working hard. And he says, you should remember the words of Jesus. If you ever want to make a good point, just say Jesus said, right? Okay, I guess not. Um, Here's what Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Hey, remember the words of Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. See, I thought that statement came out of the Gospels, but it doesn't. It comes out of Luke. And in the book of Acts, as he wrote it. See, Luke studied the accounts of, of, of all the first-hand believers. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. And I thought, man, where, where's that statement in the Gospels? It's not. It's only in Acts. It's just Paul reflecting on something that Jesus had said. It's better to give than to receive. Not just better, it's more blessed. I like that he says it's more blessed because he doesn't say there's anything wrong with receiving. He just says that giving is better and more blessed than receiving. I don't know about you, but I don't really like that statement. Anybody else? How many of you, when you hear that statement, something leaps with inside your heart and you're like, yes, that is so true. I'm so excited about that. No, not at all. See, Jesus isn't just challenging us culturally, right? Because that runs counter to our culture. Our culture does not believe that giving is better than receiving. Not at all. So it's challenging to, and culturally, but what Jesus is really saying is he's challenging our humanity, our own human nature, right? He's challenging the condition of our hearts because our hearts say, I want. If you give me the choice, Josh, you can give a gift or you can get a gift. Nine times out of ten and probably ten out of ten, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll see the gift. I got a five-year-old son. I guarantee you, every time I've asked Carson, Carson, you want a gift or you want to give a gift? I want a gift. And if he doesn't like the gift, then he'll give it away. (laughs) I mean, down into the core of who we are, we want. I want before I want to give. Does that make sense? Anybody else agree? We want. And Jesus is saying, hey, look. Hey, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And you're like, man, well, yeah. I don't think so. I don't know if I agree. And he challenged this, this fundamental part of our humanity and of who we are in that statement. Now, I've heard that statement growing up because I, I had the opportunity to grow up in church, and maybe you did or maybe you didn't. So I've heard that statement my whole life. Yeah, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And then I got into a position where I was, you know, I was making money, and I had to start giving and, and, and really being a Christ follower and looking at generosity and giving. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really like that statement anymore. And the question is, if I know my heart, and I know my heart is a wanting heart, a receiving heart, a having heart, how do I get to the point where I I begin to act like God? What do you mean? Because God at his core is a giver. Fundamental character of God is giving. He's a giver. He gives. Everything originated with him. He gives. He gave us life. He created this world, gave out of himself. The fundamental character of God is a giver. Here's another thing. We're never more like God than when we give. We're never more like God than when we give. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is defining the blessed life. The blessed life is a giving life and not a getting life. The blessed life is a giving life and not a giving life. So how do I get to the point where I give like God, or maybe it's better said, how do I get to the point where my heart becomes in line 
with the statement that Jesus made, with God's heart towards giving. How do I go from being a, a, a wanter, a receiver, a haver, to a, I want to just, I want to give. That my, my MO, my default is give. I think that right there is a fundamental question that we all have to answer. And with the time that we have left this morning, I just want to attempt to answer that question and just give you four things, okay? Four things that you can do to begin to see the heart that God has given you and how to give like him and how to change that heart or allow him to change that heart to be more like him and to read that statement with Jesus and say, yeah, I I understand that. I, I get that. Because God being a giver was never more on display for us than in the person of Jesus. Because in Jesus, God gave the very best of heaven. The very best. Not because we earned it. Not because we qualified for it. Not because we deserve it. But because he wanted to. Because that's who he is. So in order to answer this question and these four things, I want to take you over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In this uh, letter that we read here, it's Paul. Again, Paul is writing to a church at Corinth, a church that he helped plant, a church that he helped start. And he is writing to them, and this is a second letter to them, and he's talking to them, again, about the subject of generosity. The, the idea of giving. He starts back in chapter 8 talking to them about how they're, how they're giving and how they're, they're giving is helping these, these, these Jewish believers in Jerusalem. And he's telling to them, hey, I still need you to be generous. I still need you to give. And really what he's showing them is that fundamental to being a Christ follower is this idea of giving and generosity. And so he's talking to them about it and we pick it up in verse 5 and here's what he says. He said, so I thought I should send you these... Uh, Send these brothers ahead of, ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready, but I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Here Paul's saying, hey, look, you you guys have been giving and you promised to give a gift and I'm going to send some guys ahead to pick up that gift. But hey, I want you to give and I want you to give cheerfully. I want you to give willingly. I don't want you to give grudgingly under a sense of obligation, nor do I want you to give from a sense of being under pressure like like you're being manipulated to give. But I want it to be willing and I want it to be cheerful. Willing and cheerful. I think one of the first things that we have to do in order to become more like God and when it comes to giving is we have to deal with a selfish heart. The deal with a selfish heart. Part of the difficulty in dealing with a selfish heart is acknowledging that you have a selfish heart. Now you may be consider yourself a generous person and that's fine. You give and you help. But at the core of who we are, apart from God, we're selfish. Amen. We're selfish. Not because God made us selfish, but because sin made us selfish. Result of sin in this world, what Adam and Eve did in the garden, is is it made us selfish. It made us look out for numero uno, and that's me. I'm going to look out for me, after I take care of me. I may help you, but I may not. Selfish. Now, I understand that it's not fun to come to church and be told that you're selfish. That's not exciting. It's not even fun for me to tell you that. But here's what I realize in the process is that I'm just telling you how I am. 
I'm selfish. And when it comes to money, I've been probably the most selfish person in the room at times. I grew up in church, practically born in the church pew, heard all these messages about giving and about tithing, and I'm like, oh, that's great, until I had to start doing it. And you know what? I didn't really ever do a great job at it. If for me, it wasn't up until five years ago that I'd really consider myself a generous person. And you can talk to Lauren and ask her, my wife, and she will tell you, especially around Christmas time, and I mean, I ain't buying nobody a gift because I have to. That stresses me out. I'm going to get you a gift if I want to, and I may not even want to. She's like, you're not even going Christmas shopping with me because you stress me out. You're a curmudgeon. You're a Scrooge. Selfish. And here's the thing. I didn't even want to give God any money. I grew up in an environment where we talked about giving. Like, if you don't give, your transmission is going to fall out on the highway. If you don't give, your house is going to crumble down. You don't give. It's like all this guilt, all this pressure. And I'm like, man, I can't do that. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a logical person. I didn't get my degree in math, but I understand it. And I would just think this 10% deal, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, 10% in my bank account looks a whole lot better than 10% in the church's bank account. I'll just be honest. I got to the point where I was, I was giving at times because I was afraid if I didn't give, what would happen? I was giving out of fear. And here's just a little bit of my journey. I'm not recommending that you do this, but here's the point I came to at a young 20-year-old, in, in, my, in my 20s, 25, I said, look, Lord, or 24, I said, look, I ain't going to give you another dime until I can do it when I want to, out of a cheerful heart. That was me. I'm not saying that's what you should do, but I was like, I am not going to give you money out of fear. I'm not going to give you money to make sure my car is good. I'm not going to put transmission insurance on my car by thinking that's my tithe, or me being generous to you. And so I didn't. I stopped. Lauren was gracious enough to, to, to go along with it, but it was a journey for me. A journey. I just couldn't separate myself from, from money. I realized that in my journey that I was a pretty selfish person. Pretty selfish. God began to, began to deal with me, and, and uh, in those times when I didn't give, I don't remember how long it was, my transmission didn't fall out. My AC kept working. God was still providing. He was good. He was faithful. It began to change my heart. It was in that period of time that we had our son, Carson. And Lauren decided to stay home from work. And money got really tight. Man, really tight. Like, you pay all the bills. You go to the grocery store with a calculator because you only got so much to spend. And then even at all of that, you got food and all that. And then you got like a dollar or less than a dollar until you get paid again. You know, I mean, like really tight. It was in those times I really began to feel the Lord start to deal with me and say, hey, why don't you, why don't you begin to be generous? Why don't you begin to give? And I'm like, God, I ain't got no money. None. And I just made a decision that, you know what? I, I understand all of this. I see it. I know what I should be doing. So I decided I'm going to take God up for his word. And instead of giving given, um and my tithe, I started, I'm going to test this giving thing out. I'm going to gift coffee because I really love coffee. So I'm going to see if God, if this stuff really, you know, God really works. So I, I knew this lady at Starbucks and she would often give me, uh, give me coffee, her markup or whatever, mark out. And so she gave me a pound of coffee one day and I went into work and I took the pound of coffee and I put it on someone else's desk and gave it to them. They, didn't, they weren't there. Next day, I had a gift card for coffee on my desk. I just kept giving this coffee away and more coffee kept coming. It was the weirdest thing. I'm not saying if you do this, it's going to work for you. But, I, you know, 
I, I saw in that Christmas, I got like $200 worth of Starbucks gift cards. And I used them. I kept those. I used them. And I'm like, for me, I said, okay, if God can, if, if God can do this with coffee, and it wasn't me trying to give to get, you have to understand. What could he do if I trust him with my money? What could he do? So I, I started, and Lauren was doing the finances at the time, and I said, I really feel like I need to do it, and I really need to be the one to give financially. And so I started, me, I started tithing, I started giving, and I'd write it out, I'd look at it, I'd pray at it, take a deep breath, I know we really need that. I'd write some scriptures that, that I had been praying about, and believe me, I'd write them in the memo line of the check, and, I, and, I, and I'd drop it in. I'm going to tell you, the Lord taught me to be generous when I had nothing. When I didn't have anything. I'm not in the same position that I was. But God taught me when I had very little to be generous because he taught me that it doesn't matter how much is in my pocket or how much is in my bank account, that it's in my heart. The generosity and the blessed life begins in my heart because it's all about the heart. And you see what Paul is saying. Hey, give willingly, give cheerfully, not begrudgingly, not under pressure. And what I found in my own journey was that the the begrudging nature of my giving, the pressure that I felt, the, the fear that I felt, began to transform into a willingness and a cheerfulness. I got to deal with that selfish heart. The second thing that we have to deal with is a grieving heart, a grieving heart. You know, it's interesting to talk about the word grief in, in, in relationship to money, but I think if I were to ask you, how many of you have, been, have grieved at the hands of money or know somebody that has grieved at the hands of money? All right, money can, can be a great resource or it can be a horrible master, right? It can cause so much grief in your life. And it's interesting is that you think of grief. Well, how does grief work? Grief works like this. You give, right? You help somebody. You give in church. And then you go home and something breaks, Right? Or something happens. And it's really this, this idea of regret that, man, if I hadn't have given, then, then my transmission wouldn't have fallen out. Or then my air condition wouldn't have broken. Or then my TV would have not gone on the fritz and had to buy a new one. Here's the reality. Whether you're generous or not, stuff breaks. Am I right? Stuff just breaks. But we have this regret when we give. I think it's like this. Selfishness attacks us before we give, and regret or grief attacks us after we give. I give, I don't, want, I don't want to give, and I'm selfish, I need it, I don't know. Then I give, and I'm like, oh man, I so need that. Oh man, I knew that would happen. Or, oh man, I might need that. It's possible that I could. And we grieve. Or, I don't want to, I did, oh man. And those are two opposing forces to generosity. Selfishness and grief. They oppose generosity in our lives. The question that I ask is why? Why is it that I deal with selfishness and and grief in my life when it comes to giving and it comes to generosity? We talked about one already. That's just sin. Sin created selfishness in us. It just did. And not just with money. In every level. Here's another two things that we struggle with as a cause for selfishness and grief. We have an improper view of our source and we have an improper view of ownership. What do you mean? When I say we have an improper view of our source, is, is that we view ourselves as our source of provision. Either yourself or your job, that you are the one that provides for you. Am I right? I go to work. I work 40 to 70 hours a week. I work overtime. I provide. I put money on the table. I bring home the bacon, whatever the case. I'm the source. 
And then when you're the source, then you're the owner of whatever you have. It's my money. It's not God's money. It's not that church's money. It's not that pastor's money. It's my money. And do you ever wonder why God invented giving? You ever wonder that? Like, God, why did you invent giving? You ever think God invented giving because he's running a deficit in heaven? Like, God created the whole world, and he's like, oh, man, this costs way more than I thought. I mean, I love these people, but I'm going to have to take some of their money to make heaven work. Right? Like, I'm just broke up here. Or that God's just socking it away, you know? It's collecting interest, and he's just making bank off of it. That's ludicrous. God doesn't need our money. God has never been short of anything. God doesn't lack anything. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. Your heart. God invented giving to deal with selfishness and grief. Because every time you give, you kick selfishness right in the teeth. Every time you give, you're saying, you know what? It's possible that I could need it, but God is my source. Because you are not your source. God provides everything for you. Paul said it like this in Philippians. You provide every single one of my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every single one of my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God is our source. God has given you everything. Yes, you work at a job. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and you own your own business, but God is providing for you. Not that job, not that company, not that individual, but he is using that to provide for you. He is your source. You got to get that understood. We can agree to disagree. That's cool, but it doesn't change the reality. He's your source. And secondly, when you see that he's your source, then you realize it's all his. Let me show you what Psalms 24.1 says. It says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. Say belong to him. The earth is the Lord and everything in it is his. One translation said, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The world and all its people belong to him. God created everything. God created me. God created you. He gives you everything. That money that you have is really not yours. It's his. He gave you a gift. He gave it for you to steward. And he gives generously. The kids that you have, they're his. He gave them to us as a gift to raise and steward. And we're going to give them away to the world at some point, we hope, right? Kick them out of the house. Say, Go. But we're going to give them. They're they're his. It's his. How how do we live that way? We live that way because we know if it comes from God, then it has inherent value and worth and it has an inherent purpose. Right? And and we have inherent value and worth. And God, how do you want us to, to steward this? How do you want us to find the purpose of this? And God's purpose is always better than our purpose. So it's his. It's not yours. His. It's so much harder to give something that's yours. It's really easy to give something to somebody else's, right? If I were to come down and give Donya $100 and say, Donya, walk around and give this $100 away, she'd be like, great, that's awesome. She'd just be doling it out, right? You'd be like holding your hand up. But I said, hey, Donya, can you get your purse, take out 100 bucks, and go give it to people? She'd be like, I don't think so. I need that 100 bucks. I got to go to lunch. I got to buy a Halloween costume. I got to buy candy for all those kids that come to my house. No. Why is it easier to give away the $100 I gave her? It was never hers. She didn't own it. She was stewarding it. Stewarding it. In the same way, that paycheck you get every week, that's his. He gave it to you. Steward it. I'm not saying don't go on vacation, don't do nice things. Do all that. That's fun. Good time. 
But the heart, the generosity of it, he owns it. He's the source of it all. You get to that point, you can take a deep breath. Take a big deep breath and say, wow. And not only does he own it and he's the source of it, then he gives us instructions on what to do with it. And that's so amazing. And when you begin to deal with a selfish heart and a grieving heart, then you can do the last two things. And the last two things are great. They're this, they're just, and we'll talk about them here just quickly, is developing a generous heart and developing a grateful heart. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. We're going to read verses. We read verses 5 through 7. We're just going to read 8 through 10. Here's what he says. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Here's verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and you, and then produce a great harvest of generosity. And you, everybody say generosity. Do you hear what Paul's saying? Hey, look, God is the one who gives, who provides generously. God is the one who gives to you so that you can give. And he uses a, an example of a farmer because he's talking to an agrarian society where they farm. And he said, hey, look, farmer, God is the one that gave you that seed that you put in the ground that raises up a crop and you harvest that crop and you take it to market and you sell because without a seed, there is no provision for the farmer. Most of us don't farm. Right? But he's speaking in, in economical terms there, not in just spiritual terms like God's going to give you a spiritual seed and you put it in the ground. No, no, no. A physical seed that has an economic value tied to it when it comes out of the ground. And not only that, here's what we need to see. Hey, farmer, all of us, I, I gave you that seed, but I also gave you that body with which you will put that seed in the ground. Not only did I give you that seed in that body, but I created that ground and that soil that it can go down into. And not only that, I'll send the rain that comes down to that soil and activates that seed. And I put the life, uh, the instructions for life in that seed and it'll come out. And I gave you that brain, which is the intelligence and the understanding of what to do with that seed and how to cultivate that seed. I also gave you the intelligence and the brain by which to then take that crop and harvest it and take it to the market and sell it. I gave you everything you need. What is it that you have that I didn't give you? You see the reality of that statement. We go to work. We do what we do. But it's all from him. The intelligence, the breath in our lungs, the life that we have, the personality that we have, everything that we do at our job, it all comes from him. And when we realize that, what he's saying is, look, hey, God will always provide. Because that's who he is. He's a giver. And he never ceases to be a giver. And we realize, hey, it's all from you and you're so generous. He has been producing a harvest of generosity in us. So I, I can't make myself generous. But how do I develop a generous heart? Man, I just got to begin to realize right back to that. He owns it. He provides it. Man, he loves me. And he's given it all to me. How amazing is that? And he's going to give it to me even if I don't steward it properly. I mean, I give me as much. But he still provides because that's who he is. Second way you can become generous is you can make a decision to be generous. Like, hey, God, I see all this that you've done. Now I'm going to decide. I'm going to decide to do it. Mine was with coffee first. I don't know what yours is. But it's heart. It's a heart. 
The second thing, the, uh, the fourth thing, excuse me, I said is, is to develop a grateful heart. A grateful heart. How do we develop a grateful heart? Well, we've already talked about it a little bit. Is part of developing a grateful heart is that understanding and that, that revelation that it all comes from him. It is impossible to stand in the presence of God and begin to understand he created me. He gave me the seed. He made the ground, the water, the, the crops, the economic value. Okay, man, I'm so grateful, God, that you put all of this in front of me so that I could do what you've called me to do. I can find my purpose and my value in you and in the work that I do, that it all comes from you. And we just become grateful. We began this, this message with the words of Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Part of the question that I asked was, how in the world could Jesus really say that, right? Because it's, it's the character of God that he's a giver. I want to share this verse with you. For some of us, incredibly familiar. For, for, for some of us, maybe not. But it's First John, excuse me, it's John 3.16. Here's Jesus. Not just the words of Jesus, but the life of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life how can jesus say it's more blessed to give than to receive oh, because he received nothing on this earth he gave everything gave his life but jesus didn't come here to get he didn't come here to consume he didn't come here to obtain he came here to give and he gave the very best of himself and of heaven to you and me. So Jesus is the only person that could say that statement or make that statement with any level of authority. Any level of credibility is is that he is more blessed to give than to receive. The Bible says that in the Old Testament that God and Isaiah, it pleased him to crush his son. Mm. Why? On behalf of humanity. So they could have a relationship with him. It pleases God to be a giver. You want to be grateful? You want to have a grateful heart? Uh, it's, it begins with Jesus. It begins with that understanding that I can, I can come in here today without fear of condemnation, without fear of being separated from God eternally. And I can do that fundamentally because of Jesus, that I'm beloved and accepted in him, that yes, I received the gift of eternal life, the gift. Now, what do I do with it? What do we do with that gift of eternal life? And that, that makes us grateful. That makes us generous. Jesus also this, you who have freely received, now freely give. You freely receive and you freely give. Not begrudgingly, not under, not reluctantly, not under pressure, but in the same way that God gave Jesus. This free gift of grace and eternal life in the same way, give. Now, I don't know where all of you are at. I don't know the condition of your heart. That's not my job to know, nor would I even want to know that. I'm not talking about giving over the next five weeks because I think just... It's what the church needs, and you just need to be a giver. And we're talking about this because it's fundamental to who we are as Christ followers. Who we are. Fundamental to who we are. <laughs> 